Hello everyone and welcome back to Endopod. Today's episode is a unique collaboration between the Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society and the Psychiatric Society. The producers and speakers in this podcast are myself, Teresa, President of Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society, Louis, President of the Psychiatric Society, and Matt, a member of the Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society. This podcast looks at a potential link between type 2 diabetes and bipolar disorder. Firstly, what is type 2 diabetes? Type 2 diabetes, which we'll be calling diabetes, refers to a condition which typically presents with increasing age and is correlated to environmental factors such as sedentary life, obesity, and the GI index or load of a patient's diet. Some degree of hereditary links can be found in type 2 diabetes and obesity. If another member of your family has had uh, diabetes, then the chances of you having this condition can be higher. Diabetes is a condition whereby blood glucose levels are higher than what they should be, and the body's mechanism, which deals with regulation of blood glucose, does not work to reduce these blood glucose levels. Short-term symptoms of diabetes are excessive thirst, polyuria, blurred vision, and tiredness. Over time, elevated blood sugars can start impacting other body systems, such as the nervous system, the immune system, and the circulatory system. Loss of sensation and circulation in the extremities, especially feet, as well as immunosuppression, causing more frequent illnesses are common in type 2 diabetes patients. Now, let's move on and describe bipolar disorder. So I'll give the floor to Louis regarding this condition. Based on symptoms and genetics, bipolar disorder exists on a spectrum between depressive disorders and psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia. Put simply, any bipolar disorder is a depressive disorder combined with at least one episode of a mixed state, hypomania or mania. Classically, bipolar was described as either type 1 or type 2, but we now understand frequency and severity of cycling of the aforementioned mood phases is much more variable. Alas, the central theory for bipolar disorders is one of dopamine dysregulation, described as elevation of striatum D2 and D3 receptor availability, leading to increased dopaminergic neurotransmission, which is mania. This induces increased striatal dopamine transporter levels, which reduces dopaminergic function, this is depression. This in turn causes elevation of striatal D2 and D3 receptor availability, and so a perpetuating cycle of failure in homeostatic regulation of the dopaminergic system. With these fundamental descriptions of these two seemingly disparate conditions, we will go on to discuss research from the last three years which may link diabetes with bipolar. The first paper is Puthamana and Reginald 2019, which concerns the pentose phosphate pathway. This is an alternative pathway to glycolysis in cellular metabolism, with the product of sugars integral to both RNA and DNA, whilst producing NADPH. NADPH is a powerful antioxidant with many functions, but also preventing cellular damage from free radicals. The first rate-limiting enzyme in the pentose phosphate pathway 
is glucose 6-phosphate dehydrogenase or G6DP. This paper found in post-mortem brain tissue from the parietal somatosensory association area of patients with bipolar that G6DP was inversely correlated to hexokinase 1 with a significant Spearman's role. Consequently, the activity of G6DP is greatest where hexokinase 1 is most detached from the outer mitochondrial membrane and hexokinase 1 phosphorylates glucose in the first step of most glycolysis pathways. Consequently, it is conjectured that G6DP is compensatory for deficits in hexokinase 1 in the brains of bipolar patients, although the availability of G6DP in bipolar brains does not exceed that of brains without psychopathology. So this research concludes two things. There is mitochondrial dysfunction in bipolar brains, which is the hexokinase deficits, with inadequate compensation from the pentose phosphate pathway to counter reactive oxygen species. This fits into a larger body of evidence elucidating dysfunction in mitochondria and metabolism in bipolar patients. Looking forward, larger studies are needed to clarify the roles of enzymes for metabolism in the brains of psychiatric patients. The next paper is Wu et al. 2021, which is the first meta-analysis of glucose metabolism in bipolar brains as determined by whole brain voxel-based morphometry. This meta-analysis includes seven studies for analysis from a search result of 282 studies. The most substantial findings were that in bipolar brains, compared to healthy controls, there is increased glucose uptake in both the right precentral gyrus and the left anterior cingulate gyrus, as well as decreased glucose uptake in the left middle temporal areas. These altered areas of metabolism correlate to where we would anticipate the psychopathology of bipolar disorder with respect to the limbic system. This meta-analysis provides the evidence which would substantiate further research into linking cerebral blood flow, cerebral metabolism and cerebral morphology to produce a new unified theory for bipolar. The possible benefits of doing so includes better diagnosis of bipolar disorder, which generally presents as unipolar depression early in the disease course, and this can complicate treatment. Now, let's focus on one meta-analysis study by Leo et al. in 2022, where the prevalence of type 2 diabetes mellitus, impaired fasting glucose, general and abdominal obesity in patients with bipolar disorder was checked. 49 studies looked into comparing the prevalence of diabetes, impaired fasting glucose and obesity, either abdominal or general, in patients with diagnosed bipolar disorder of same age and gender in different regions of the world, including Taiwan, New Zealand, the US and Turkey. This study has shown that there is an increased risk of the prevalence of general and abdominal obesity in patients with bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder has appeared to be more prevalent in women as opposed to men. Therefore, in populations where there is a higher proportion of women, there is a higher risk of bipolar patients and thus increased risk of obesity numbers. The main focus of this podcast, however, is type 2 diabetes mellitus and bipolar disorder. 
These two conditions have proven to be interlinked as there was an increased risk of bipolar disorder patients de developing type 2 diabetes mellitus. An important link between diabetes and other mental cognitive impairment conditions has been established and can be explained by the possible effects that this regulation of plasma insulin and glucose have on the degradation of beta-amyloid, thereby promoting beta-amyloid accumulation and increasing the risk of diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. Interestingly, it is well known that certain psychotherapeutic medication can lead to increased appetite and weight gain that can undoubtedly lead to obesity and thereafter increased risk of type 2 diabetes mellitus. Due to this correlation, established by previous studies, several measures have been established to screen patients with bipolar disorder more closely for diabetes, impair fasting glucose and obesity by having frequent checks on uh, full blood count, HbA1c tests and lipid profile every three years. Also, a careful selection of the most suitable psychotherapeutic medication needs to be taken to ensure that the risk of obesity and type 2 diabetes mellitus is minimized as much as possible. Okay, everyone. For this last one, we're looking at the effect of insulin resistance on the efficacy of medications used to treat bipolar disorder. It's interesting to see that there's both a direct link of bipolar disorder to type 2 diabetes through shared pathophysiological mechanisms, as alluded to by Louis and Teresa, but also an indirect effect on the treatments we use to help alleviate symptoms of bipolar disorder as well. The study I had the pleasure of looking at was conducted by Sterado in 2019. They sought to further understand the link between glucose dismetabolism and treatments with lithium and other mood stabilizing drugs such as sodium valparate, carbamazepine and lamotrigine. For context, lithium and these other mood stabilizers are used in bipolar disorder to mediate the severity and frequency of mania, with some benefits shown in relieving de uh, depressive symptoms as well. Serrato compared 45 patients with bipolar disorder and insulin resistance against 46 patients with bipolar and typical glucose metabolism in the format of a between-subject study design. The two groups were treated with mood stabilizers for at least one year and were assessed by diagnostic and rating instruments. A regression model was then employed to identify the influences that different predictor values had on the response to mood stabilizer treatments. The participants' socio-demographic characteristics, those being gender, age at study entry, employment status and level of education, and the clinical variables, which were age of onset, age at first psychiatric contact, duration of illness, lifetime number of effective episodes, pattern of illness course, presence of mixed effective states, and number of suicidal attempts, were logged and controlled for by filling a post-talk questionnaire. It was found that bipolar disorder patients with impaired glucose metabolism showed a significant reduction in the effect of lithium and other mood stabilizers, leading to a more severe presentation of psychiatric symptoms associated with bipolar disorder. Further than this, uh, the regression analysis showed that impaired glucose metabolism was the only predictor of poorer outcomes when treating bipolar disorder with mood, dis uh, mood stabilizers. The other sociodemographic factors and clinical variables listed earlier showed no significant effect. Despite the small sample size of the study and the fact that it was cross-sectional, this study shows us that there's not only a clear link between bipolar disorder and impaired glucose metabolism, but that this cohort uh, is also at a greater risk of not responding to mainstay treatments. It's therefore pertinent to better understand this, uh, this link so as to protect patients with comorbid type 2 diabetes and bipolar disorder from exhibiting higher rates of chronic illness, higher frequency of rapid cycling, and more impairment of overall cognitive functioning.
What I was hoping that Matt, Teresa and I could demonstrate here is that psychiatry is no longer the black sheep of medicine. That psychopathology has a biomedical basis. We have looked at bipolar and diabetes. Diabetes can broadly be described as failure in glucose metabolism. For bipolar, we still rely on the monoamine hypothesis of mental illness, but hopefully we have shown that there is more to mental illness than the current bounds of psychiatry, having discussed metabolic failure and bipolar disorder. I hope that going forward, the primary literature will continue to reveal the links across multiple bodily systems behind each psychiatric diagnosis. Perhaps by appreciating the full extent of psychiatric disease throughout the entire body, we can dismantle the enduring stigma which psychiatric patients receive and validate that their conditions are as deserving of both recognition and treatment as diseases in any other specialty.